Welcome to Therapist Uncensored. Building on decades of professional experience, this podcast tackles neurobiology, modern attachment, and more in an honest way that's helpful in healing humans. Your session begins now with Dr. Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. So, you know, we talk a lot about self-care, and we want you to check in with yourself before you offer help to someone else, rest when you need rest, ask for what you need, and most definitely say yes to things that make you feel good. Our sponsor, your Dipsia, can help transport your mind to a world where you can relax and treat yourself to a surprise or your known deepest desires. Dipsia is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. There is something for everyone. So if you've lost touch with your own sexiness, want to spice up a long-term relationship, or if it's just for you to brighten up your time alone, the stories at Dipsia are there to help. It's radically inclusive. No matter how you identify or who you are attracted to, you'll find something from sweet to pretty spicy. Things will never get boring because new content is released every week and you'll find things you didn't even know you were interested in. For our listeners, Dipsia is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsiastories.com slash tu. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to Dipsia. D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash T-U. That's dipsiastories.com slash T-U. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Therapist Uncensored. I'm Ann Kelly. And I'm Sue Marriott. Sue, we're at the end of another year. I can't even believe it. I know. We've been doing this since 2016, I think. So we're going to be a little retrospective. We're going to just take a year in review a little bit and talk about some of the things that we got out of this year. You know, if you've been busy and just haven't listened to things, that's cool. But we're going to kind of uh, recap some lessons learned, some of our favorite episodes, some of your favorite episodes, and kind of let you know what our interests are kind of leaning in the direction of and what you can expect for next year. You know, one thing in reviewing this year, just kind of I love doing this episode because I love going back. Sometimes it's really hard. You know, we're always pressing forward and pressing forward. And then one of the things I noticed is how deeply we focused on the idea of taking all those information we're learning and really grounding past our own defenses and ways to do it. I mean, like really proactive ways to do it and things to look at and focusing a lot on how we can securely relate with one another, taking all this information to be able to securely relate, which we mean really connecting in the moment in a way that is safe and open and gets us out of reactivity. And there's just this thread all the way through. You know, we covered tons on attachment. We've covered tons on relational neuroscience. Like in different years, you know, we had to like first get it all gather it and get it all together. And I'm really proud of our catalog. We have an incredible catalog of old episodes. It is so rich. And what is good about these retrospectives, like not only is it fun to remember that we did them, but there's so much in each episode that you can re-listen, even the one that you've already heard and get so much out of it. But the other thing I wanted to mention that I'm proud of is we've been revamping our website and we're continually adding more resources. Every episode has show notes where we add resources. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of put the podcast in context that it's not just this audio, that we're building community. We want to be a resource hub and really be able to, like you're saying, 
have it be practical and actually help and not just be an intellectual exercise. Yes. Yes. And going back through some of it to do the recap, I got to listen to some of the past interviews and what you said. I listened to Carol George again, listening to some of these different interviews and having already heard them, I'm like, oh yeah, like the key to is it helps me integrate it. And so I was finding the whole experience of getting prepped for this. And we're not going to go into a bunch of details of any of them, sorry. But it helped integrate everything that we have been talking about. It becomes more organized. And I like what you were saying earlier. I think this year feels a lot like the things we've been really going deep in. Like now it's sort of the organizing, let's put it to work kind of mm -hmm. year. Which is fun. Nitty gritty, nitty gritty. The nitty gritty. <laughs> well, one of the things we did was kind of, it was a tough series. It wasn't as exciting as a series on difficult personalities, et cetera. Which for, series are you referring to? We did a series on secure relating in an insecure world. And we tapped into, and that's what's we kind of funny. Even, and I don't think we had titled our book yet. No, I was going to say that. I realized because we titled that series in an insecure world. And that, I think, was part of how we started to title our book. It's that we were really talking about secure relating in this active as a verb in our podcast. And I don't think we had titled our book. We changed it to holding your own in an insecure world rather than secure relating in an insecure world. And then titled the book Secure Relating because that's, as we integrate all this information, that's what we're trying to use it for. That's what we're trying to do. So we did that series, which was, I say it was a hard series because what we were talking about is what is making the world feel and experience so much insecurity around us. And we covered really yeah. tough topics that are not fun. Totally. And I love like we're zooming out a little bit and not just looking at individual relationships, but looking at systems and structures that impact our sense of safety. It impacts us on a, you know, biological, physiological psychological level in our development. So that series that you're referring to is just scratching the surface on that. But yeah, it was definitely less enjoyable <laughs> than the difficult personality series, which is kind of silly that difficult personalities is more enjoyable because it gets so big that it's hard to talk about when we're talking about systems that create insecurity. Well, and it's hard to, like when we're talking about difficult relationships and the problems we're having every day with that person in our household or at work, or children, it's so directly applicable to our everyday lives, we tend to be more hungry for that information, which is wonderful. But what we did in that series is we covered the topics that we like to dissociate from, distance from, or that completely overwhelm us. So what were your favorite ones from the series? Well, we covered climate change, racial tensions. We covered experiences about poverty and systemic inequities. So that's what I mean about like how difficult that was. We don't want to sit around all the time and talk about those topics because they're hard. Right. Well, I want to name names, right? So yes, there was an, one on that I really appreciated on intergenerational trauma with Linda Tai, and she is fantastic somatic therapist. That was fantastic. There was one on racial trauma too, on racial trauma with Glyceria Perez and Deborah Chapman Finley. And they were so wonderful. You just have to listen to them. And I got to have, I, w I wasn't part of those interviews, but I had to have deep conversations with them later related to the book. And I could not tell you how much I enjoyed connecting with them. Those are great episodes. 
Yep. And to keep your ear out, because I think that they will be doing more things, which is very cool. And we did two on climate, but it was not about climate, but it was more about the psychological impact of it. Right. Like we didn't talk about like, let's solve climate. <laughs> we weren't there to like solve the climate crisis. But like, if we don't talk about it, if we get it back into the secure relating concept, it's like, we have to be able to manage all the parts of us that want to run away and dissociate and ignore and pretend it didn't happen or yell and get mad, but not be productive and shame people, et cetera. And yeah, we had a, a conversation with Anna Graybill. We talked about just how to have these hard conversations, but also how to get past your own resistance the morning that you have to go through. But the focus was getting past your resistance to having the deep conversations. And that's the part of secure relating is if we don't have it, we can't join collectively to make a difference to relate to one another. And then we also did one that was very special to us. It was too, totally special. <laughs> because we've had a lot of conflict in our own family from the youth perspective of climate and how seriously they've taken it and how it's really changed the trajectory of some of our kids' lives, like whether or not they stayed in school and things like that. So really tough conversation. So Mason Marriott Voss who is our oldest. <laughs> yes. Just so incredibly proud of him. And that was a very special one. And this isn't just nepotism of, you know, he actually has a lot to add to the conversation, super smart and challenging. Well, and in that episode, just for the fun of it, you kind of get a, a really sneak behind the view information about just imagining doing the dishes in an intergenerational way, having these conversations. So you can relate to possibly having conversations with your own kids, your own adult kids, your teenage kids, or just your family members and trying to have these conversations and how activating they are. So yeah, we have some real behind the scenes, vulnerable, open conversation about what would happen in our own family and how we got through it. So it's an intergenerational conversation and how important it is to have it. Well, and the point being less about sort of a focus on us and more of encouraging you to stay engaged, even with people that you disagree with or that are doing things that are particularly scary for you or morally what you don't understand or don't agree with, just how to stay connected. So what else? What are the other ones that you liked? Well, then we ended that series, which I really liked ending the series on that positive note that always hits me because we ended that series with one of my favorite episodes, I think, of the year. And that was with Dacher Keltner talking yeah. about awe. That was one of my favorites. I just loved interviewing him, reading his book. Because it was way up there in some of the favorites from an interview standpoint and from a content standpoint, we are putting together another reading pod on the book starting in early January of 2024, depending on when you're hearing this episode. And just a quick thing about that is that there are small reading groups it's a wonderful way to get yourself to read a book that you've been meaning to read, but it's also a great way to build community and to study and learn together and be able to apply the material more deeply and more personally in your life. So we hope to, when we look ahead, host more of those, um, including potentially if there's enough interest. The only way these work is if there's enough energy and interest in people signing up. So we can just offer. So you guys are going to make it where that we actually get to deliver it. But if there's enough interest in doing a series even of reading, a reading pod on some of these bigger questions about equity, about decolonizing mental health, about, you know, these wider perspective system differences and kind of getting out of just the Western model of mental health and learning more widely. Those are all things I'm very, very interested in, you know, slowly 
being in the process of expanding out of what we think is normal. And like I used to call it, you know, the traditional way that we're taught therapy. And that's not at all accurate because we've left the traditional and the indigenous and the some of these natural knowledge bases. So I don't even like to use the term, you know, like traditional mental health. It's not true. It's Western mental health. So anyway, that is a possibility. So if you're interested in that, stay tuned, let us know, send us a note. You can always reach us at info at Therapist Uncensored. Okay, what else? What were some of your other ones? Before we jump to what else, what you're meaning is if you're interested, we'd like to help form deeper conversations Yeah, and deeper networking. So yeah, if you are interested in, in kind of forming sort of groups that get together and are able to, through a reading pod or a discussion group, have our deeper conversations on these systemic issues. That's our excitement for this next year, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, actually even doing that, Anne, is another example of us really trying to walk the walk. And if we are wanting to encourage security and secure, like learning how to hold on to ourselves and stay in a secure state of mind, whatever's going on around us, and to be connected, then I think these reading pods are another example of us trying to get nitty gritty and like actually do it like trying to provide opportunities for you to meet your podcast listener neighbor in another state or in another country and come together with these like-minded people. So I think that's cool. Are we like tooting our own horns too much? It sounds like it a little bit in this You know one, what but I- makes me so mad about that? Women have to be worried about that. If we were two dudes doing the podcast, do you ever hear men like worried? People that are socialized as men are not socialized to worry about is their voice taking up too much space or are they drawing too much attention to themselves? Would you agree with that? I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So even though I feel it and I said it, it's like, I hate that I feel it. And I hate that I said it. I know you get that. I I think also the truth of the matter is what we're tooting to be honest with you is our passion about these subjects and getting people involved more than, you know what I mean? It's not us. We're pointing to the idea. Like even doing the series on really hard topics, like, racial trauma and intergenerational trauma and climate, major part of our goal is for all of us to be able to have these conversations with more self-insight, more reflection, and more connection so that we can move into more productivity together. So that's the part about relating more. So we have to move more productively. And if we're all activated and pushing it down, it's not helping us, right? It's not helping us feel more secure ourselves, for sure. We just go into all those different kind of uh, avoidance tactics, which is for everyone different, eating, drinking. So this is like get to know thyself and thy neighbor on a much deeper level so that we can have more thorough connections. So the reading pods are an avenue to do the connection. The work is about being able to connect with anyone around you in a more insightful way and a less definitive way where you don't recognize it. Actually, we did two episodes on dreams. And one of the reasons we did that is like, how do you get to your unconscious? How do you get to that part where you're kind of pushing it out and said nothing to see here and you don't let it come into your everyday awareness? And so we did two episodes on how do we use it in our therapy practices and how do we view dreams? Totally. Love that. It just makes me smile thinking about it, actually. I mean, listening to my dreams have literally changed the course of my life and others that I know. 
Yeah, that was fun. And then you interviewed a Jungian therapist, I believe. Is that right? Two Jungian therapists. They're co-host on this Jungian Life podcast, which if you haven't checked that podcast out, it's really, really great. It's Lisa Marciano and Deborah Stewart. And that's episode 201. They talked about interpreting dreams through the Jungian lens. And I felt like I got a lot out of that one. My own therapist is a Jungian therapist. And I'm a real advocate for like looking into our collective unconscious, how we all connected and we're unaware of it. And the thing that they talked about dreams is it's not just looking at what you're personally struggling with in your current and everyday environment, but it's like a path forward. One of the quotes is dreams as a birthplace of new ideas. So it's not just looking at what you're struggling with, but it is by getting in touch with your unconscious that dreams give you that avenue to be more of a full person of a path forward. And I felt like they did this really great deep dive into it that I gained a lot out of it. Even though I've been doing dream work for a long time, I felt like it, I had some aha experiences in that. They also, it's kind of fun because they talk about symbols and how they interpret symbols generally. And in their podcast, you can like throw in a dream and they analyze it from more of a symbolic gesture. I think that was a lot of fun. Every single time I do an interview, I learn so much. And it is such a great way for us to keep our pencils sharpened or our crayons sharpened or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all know what I mean. Just listen to what I mean, not what I'm saying. (laughs) But yeah, it is such a privilege to be able to sit with some of these really brilliant people. What are the other ones that came to mind? Well, we did multiple ones on attachment, our true and core selves. You and I did a few of them. So we did, a, which I think it was good. I don't, we did a couple on like back to the basics of attachment. We just had a great discussion with one of our Patreon members. We just got to do a meet and greet because she's a Patreon member. And I found out that she keeps referring her students to I think episode five for the back to the bit. And I was horrified. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. I love it. It's wonderful that something back that far is providing meaning to her students. But I was glad to remember that we did a back to the basics. I think that was like in episode 208, we did a back to basics on attachment. And then we did one where we're talking about what we're talking about now. What's the difference between attachment, having secure attachment and having a secure state of mind? And I think that's an important distinction that we keep articulating more and more and more we do in our book, but we do, I think, throughout the episodes this year. And you also interviewed Carol George, which was just a phenomenal interview. That was your second interview with her, I think? Yes, it was. You know, the first one, it was so dense that you and I got on afterwards and did a whole episode (laughs) about that interview. Yeah. Well, again, that's the density of it. And a term that people have repeated that, and it was part of why I reached out to her was this idea of failed mourning. Mm -hmm. And so we went into depth about that. Yeah. She's just delightful and wonderful and available and interested in continuing to teach. Well, yeah, I I like the distinction when y'all talked about the failed mourning connected to dismissing attachment and the disconnection. I got the most out of when she talked about preoccupation with personal suffering. Say a a little bit of what you got out of that from her. I actually got a little bit confused because it was also related to dismissing attachment, not just preoccupation. Well, that's one of the fun things, right, is that we can go so deep. And then when you you come out of it, you're like, now what did I say? But preoccupied with personal suffering is kind of just the sense of always being in loss, in nostalgia. She talks a lot about nostalgia as a sign of insecurity, like 
not wistfulness and enjoying something more, but it's kind of like you're orienting towards the past, like it's a grief moment. And of course, fine and passing, but some people are more oriented towards disappointment or like these separations that then keeps them in a state of mourning. Like, I guess the idea is that you don't then continue your process of grieving the loss. Instead, you hold on to the loss by holding on to like the impact on you. And it's a way of not processing it, actually. It's a way of defending, right? It's a way of blocking. That's right. Mm -hmm. So it keeps us stuck. And then the other one with um, failed mourning, same thing. I mean, who does it not apply to in some ways? But, you know, when we've had to pull up our boots and keep on going or weren't signaled that something was important when it really was. So we follow along with the family and like, oh, you know, mama's death doesn't matter. Or you just, oh, you're sad here. Let me distract you so that you're not sad. Those kinds of things. Then what it means is that we carry these little pockets of unresolved loss at times. And that's what some of her research is showing. She has a great new book. And these will be linked if you just go to this episode's show notes we will give hyperlinks to some of these that make it real easy for you. So the episode number is 210 for Carol George. And the other thing I'm proud of is that you can go to the website, therapistandcenter.com, and then there's a little search bar and you can put in whatever you want. You can put Carol George, it'll come up. All three interviews will come up. The first one, ours, and then hers again. Or if you're interested in internal family systems, put that in. Frank Anderson, that was a great interview. So many things. So the thing you're interested in, just see, just poke around and see if we've done one, like look into our old catalog. But please, like Anne was saying, please do forgive our early audio and our early editing. And oh, I just cringe thinking about I know, it too. when she said that. Although one thing that was fun, I also found out is how often podcasts are being used in graduate programs or in even undergraduate programs being assigned both actually graduate and undergraduate, being assigned podcasts for individuals trying to learn about different topics. That was exciting to me to hear that. It's a good avenue. And that reminds me, we have done more replays this year. And part of the reason that we did more replays this year than we have before, and it wasn't a ton, but it was just a little bit more than we typically do. There was two things. One is we were totally head down working on the book and feel the value of that and I'm really happy that we did that. Like, it's important to have it in a different medium. But also, Anne and I, we don't want to just create content for the sake of creating content. When we come on, we want to have something to add or something to contribute or something, you know, significant to react to or to process or to explore. We're resisting just like, oh, God, we got to come up with something to record. We don't want to do that to you. So we've kind of shifted a little bit on thinking of like, the catalog is so dense and so good. And so many people tell us that they listen to an episode over and over and over. Also, it took pressure off of us, to be honest. But it began to feel performative, like, oh, we have to create something. And I didn't like that. And I thought that you all would probably appreciate that when we come together, you know what I mean? We're going to really focus on quality content. Did you have any thoughts about that? it's taken a little bit of pressure off and I love that. So I love that you're saying that. And it actually, it's exciting. I mean, not that we weren't already doing that. I think we always kind of felt, but that we were holding a sense that we were letting everybody down if it wasn't a content every single two weeks. And if this was all we were doing, that would be great, but we have these other endeavors. And so we want to have something 
really important to say before you put the mic on because we don't want to waste anybody's time. And this is still a hobby for us. <laughs> We're working our little tails off. And that was the, I think, and you and I both, we kind of carry the audience in a way that isn't true of like, yeah, like you said, we don't want to disappoint them or we don't want to look like we're sloughing around when what I really believe is that they would be cheering us to like, y'all girls go take a break, you know, <laughs> go have fun in Portugal, which we did. Like, I know that we work really, really, really hard and we produce a lot and that we would absolutely have the support of people saying, take your time, you know, model for us <laughs> what self-care looks like. So we had to kind of settle ourselves down to be able to do that. But then that's our secure relating journey, right? We want to have a secure attachment to our audience, like the audience that we carry inside us, which isn't necessarily you listening or the real people. So if my internalized audience is supportive and encouraging, that helps me. So it doesn't really matter what you think, listener, <laughs> but how I'm going to, how I'm going to, it does have that very much, but how I'm going to try to carry you is in a more secure way and, and not anxious about letting you down. Right. Cause it just kind of grounds you to be your best self rather than being preoccupied with the idea that the audience out there is looking for things to critique negatively instead, just trying to get the most that they can get out of what we have to offer and that they're, I mean, we just have a great positive audience anyway. So bye. Oh God, love it. All right, let's talk about our sponsor, ZocDoc. As a psychologist, I'm often trained to help people find referrals. Good psychiatrist, another therapist. It is really hard not only to find people that are available, but one that is highly recommended. And ZocDoc really has those resources for you. So you can find just about any specialist you need, general practitioner, cardiologist, someone that does EMDR. So I was able to use ZocDoc for myself and some family members, and it was a huge relief because it's so easy. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors. They are patient-reviewed, they take your insurance, and are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. So it's a really great resource for you if you're moving to a different city and it takes so much energy. If you're not feeling good, you don't want to use up all your energy finding a doctor. So go to ZocDoc.com TU and you can download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. So that's amazing. So that's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash T-U. ZocDoc dot com slash T-U. So Anne would say, I am a fussy sleeper, and it's true that I'm sensitive to the temperature as it changes with the weather. That's why I just love our sheets from Cozy Earth Bedding. They keep me cozy all year round. Cozy Earth Bedding is made using only the finest premium viscose from highly sustainable bamboo. It feels luxurious, but it's also responsibly sourced. Cozy Earth is also the brand that made Oprah's favorite things five years in a row. Now that speaks volumes. Whether it's their comfortable sheets, which you can get in five different colors, or their loungewear, pajamas, or bath collection, once you know you like the brand, which we do, then it's fun to shop at Cozy Earth. Plus, Anne and I use the cool reusable canvas bag that the sheets come in all the time. Our listeners will receive 35% discount if you go there now. That's CozyEarth.com slash T-U. So be sure to use that code, CozyEarth.com, and it's Cozy, C-O-Z-Y, CozyEarth.com slash T-U, so that you get that 35% discount.
So you were mentioning that the poverty one you're talking about is Sharon Lambert. So we did replay that one. And again, we only picked the replays of the ones that really stood out or that were real popular. You know, we know that you would love again. Uh, so sorry, that, that one applied to kind of our theme the systems mm-hmm. for the systems, really looking at systems and how poverty is in and of itself traumatic. It's just, it's a, an experience. A, a biopsychosocial, right, right, like a physiological impact. And not to put labels on people, like to really look at the system, not just to look at the individual, which I love. But one of the really neat takeaways from that particular one was that she had done research on whether or not podcasts help, like mental health podcasts, do they matter? And she actually got data showing that they do matter and they make a difference, but especially they make a difference in under-resourced areas, which was just near and dear to our hearts because part of our passion is making all of this incredible science and application of these ideas accessible widely all around the world. And I want to mention we're at basically 9 million downloads and have been heard in almost every country in the world. So to me, it's like one, I would have never, ever, ever imagined having that kind of platform ever. Would you? No, no. Right? 40 people in a room and I'm happy. (laughs) Right. I remember when we got our first 200 downloads, we were so excited. Right. But I just mentioned that in the sense that you are, as a listener, you are part of a bigger movement and people are tuning in. And again, not to us, but to these ideas of building security and creating secure ripples wherever you are and really kind of pushing one another, uh, you all pushing us, us pushing you, the ideas pushing us all to work on learning to regulate ourselves and stay in our ventral vagal, connected, heart, mind, full body, and to be able to help others do the same, both things. So to me, that is the most meaningful, exciting, incredible thing that we're all in it together. And so you listener, wherever you're listening from, there are other people listening and being moved to kind of um, do their own work as well. You're not alone. And it helps you to imagine, like we're talking about imagining our audience out there as being supportive and caring and wanting our rest. And it's also sending the message to you listeners out there, who is your imagined audience? Everyone carries with them sometimes an imagined audience. They think, they're going to think. And sometimes it's really interesting to go, who is that? And we can build resentments through our audience and we can build connections in how we imagine our audience to be. I mean, right now you're talking about the listener's audience, whoever that is. Whoever that is that is in your head, that is your natural audience. Can you imagine them more positively? Can you imagine them caring? And, you know, we're also really, really trying to cross the level of divisiveness that's been out there in our community. And I know that's been our real passion through this is helping people connect and relate with themselves, with their relationships, but also across cultures and systems and be motivated to be connected. So if you can imagine the audience that you are even angry at or that you're fighting against, if you can imagine them in a less critical, more connecting way in order to then still have really deep, challenging, hard conversations, that's the goal. And if you're out there listening, like you're saying to, you're part of a group that wants to do that. Because people don't stay on this podcast if they're wanting to stay. It's one thing I love about thinking about our listeners. When I think about the audience, I think people don't tune into this if they want to stay in their set, fixed place. Because if you want to stay there, 
why would you listen? Like, you're not right. listening. If you're like, you know, I like, I'm just going to stay exactly I am and I'm going to, you know, focus on the world exactly. Yeah. And you're there because you want to grow Move. yourself mm-hmm. and look at your own defenses. So that's the, when we're speaking out there, that's the audience. And that's the part of what you're connected to when we talk about the reach. It's like imagining lots of people out there wanting to relate more securely with one another. And that can really change that internal narrative story that can be, oh, nothing's going to change. The world sucks. We all suck. When we start saying that, like, wait, no, there's a lot of people in this very positive way wanting to reach out and connect in different cultures across and the so, world. And what do you think about the difference? Like, what's the difference between the audience versus like just negative self-talk in general? Well, I guess what you're saying is like, is the audience, the negative self-talk coming from out there, they are going to be judging me negatively. We're, we're projecting the outside world as being a critical. No, what I mean is you were just challenging and inviting the listeners to consider their own internalized audience. Yes. Right. So I'm talking about that. Our internalized audience, the quickest example that came to my mind was like in graduate school or actually as a, as a new, as a baby therapist, and how much time I spent like worrying about the board <laughs> oh, yeah. or worried, oh, about, yeah. worried about my supervision. And so I'm sitting with a client, but largely holding in mind, like making sure I don't get in trouble. You know what I mean? Like that's an actual audience that isn't even real, but it's the way that I'm relating to it. And so very early on as I, as I kind of got older in my practice and stuff and started helping uh, newer therapists and doing consultation, that was one of the first things is I would really help them get the board out of their brain and really be in the room with the person because that's really what the actual board, whatever that it means, that's what they want is they want quality care. And so the best way to have quality care is get them out of there. You're not practicing to them. You're being with your person. And so that's to me an example of like, it isn't a real person but it's not exactly my negative self-talk. Like I suck as a therapist or something like that. It's not exactly that. So I guess in answering my own question a little bit, it's like there is something a little different between kind of an imagined audience and negative self-talk. Absolutely. Oh, I think, you're, I think you're spot on. And you can kind of recognize where the fear is coming from. Like I, I love your example. I was thinking, I related to that where some people is like, oh, if I do this, I'm going to get sued. I'm going to get sued. Right, get sued. exactly. Right, yes. so we have the externalized fear base. Somebody's going to come get me, audience, or somebody's going to come judge me. My CEO is always judging me. So it's that projected thing where then you're reacting to that and getting back into yourself like, oh, wait, like shifting that audience to what's really important is grounding ourselves in that moment, in this room. That's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And then the difference between this idea of having a balcony of people that are in your audience, but they're cheering you on. They're saying you can do it, you know, and I've sometimes have like envisioned like who would be my balcony people and like almost kind of cultivating and again, a secure audience. Like um, that's who I want to tune into. I don't want to tune into the basement you know, and the gremlins and the creepy monsters that are in there just like trying to pull me down, like the balcony. I think of them as like more accurate representation. Like they're seeing me mess up, but it's like, that's fine that you messed up. No, I think that's really key because it's like, we don't always have to have, and we do that. I do that with the audience here, with you guys out there, our real live audience, right? We could think about you guys so much that we aren't in ourselves or we can connect enough with you to go, okay, 
that's why we call it therapist uncensored. I think we've acknowledged that we don't go back and review these. We don't go back and go, oh my God, Sue said that. Let's take it. I mean, hopefully Jack takes a little bit of our ums out, you know, or <laughs> oh, a <laughs> but, lot. But we fairly are uncensored. So with that, what we have to tolerate in there, in this audience dialogue, is that some audience that you guys out there are going to have critical thoughts about something I've said today or something Sue said today, or you're going to have an agreement. So the resilient part is like tolerating. You can have a negative thought and still find value in me, in us. And so it's having that audience out there doesn't always have to be cheering us on. It could also be thinking, you know, I have a personal judgment of what you just said, but can you have or somebody judge you? Or have a critical thought or, I mean, like a criticism, like a healthy criticism of like, you know, but wait, I don't agree. Right. And you can hold that and still find your own value. The great question I asked was, so like you said, that it's not as easy as we make it sound. So what if somebody has that negative thought? But I do invite, and I do do that personally. I'm like, okay, so let's say that that is true. Can I handle that? Would it be okay? And letting yourself not just stop with the audience. I think we get stuck with the audience, whether like you mentioned, the internal audience of our self-flagellation or the external audience echo chamber of the therapist in Austin having judgments or whatever that is coming back into, okay, what the grounding really is, I'm okay, even if that's true, still a whole valued person and people can have it. And it's more of a resilient way to use that audience. I love it because the audience is an internalized voice. So really we're talking about developing and cultivating a secure relationship with yourself. And I love the idea of no matter where you are, and even like if you listen to this a year from now, we could still be connecting you know what I'm saying? Like across the airwaves, like it still matters. Like if we can evoke in you the very true feeling of it, that we care that you're doing this and that we respect you and that we're cheering you on and that you don't have to be perfect. Those are all going to still be true no matter when you listen to this. And how cool to think of this asynchronous, incredible connection. And if we can do this, like there's so many things in your own world. If you just kind of look around Oh, that was the other thing I was going to say when you mentioned the Docker. Dacker. Dacker. Dacker I'm sorry. I always get that wrong. But one of his points was that when we are in a secure state of mind, that we evoke that in others. So the work that you're doing right now on yourself, oxygen mask on you, top down thinking for you around like, what do you need versus trying to change the world to make you more comfortable from that perspective, then you really are changing the world because when we are in our ventral vagal connected state, we're more generous, we're less prejudiced, we evoke kindness and we give kindness. So another point about where we're going is that you can't be secure by yourself. You can't be secure as an island. This isn't about like, I'm good. Okay. This is about security has to be that we elicit it, we, you know, we, we grow it in ourselves and others. And that means whole communities, they get pressed down from oppressive systems and histories and institutions that literally hold people back, that we have to care about that. We have to be a part of resisting that and making change and making people more conscious of it and doing our own work about uncovering some of the ways that we have been, that it's embedded in us still. So security, when we talk about secure relating, it's always going to be, this isn't just go be happy. This is do the work to look at your demons and get free to be actually present in the moment and then get busy 
you know, helping others do the same, lifting people up. I think that's well said. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you kind of wrapped it up in a great organized way about kind of where we see this next year going, you know? Absolutely. And it makes me think of the book. Like that's the passion that we brought to the book. And there's going to be lots of opportunities this next year. We're going to be traveling a little more. We're going to be doing meetups in different cities. By the way, should we mention it now? Have we already done the announcement? What, about May? Uh-huh. I don't remember when we did the cap. I'm All right. Well, okay. So for those of you, um, if we've if, if we've already announced it publicly, then that's cool. But if not, then you're hearing it for the first time, which is that we are, along with Austin and Connection, going to be having a live weekend with Ann and I in May. It's May 3rd and 4th. Tons of activities to do and fun, both for the general public and for folks that are more into it and want an advanced training. So we're going to do an advanced all-day workshop. Yeah, the, the training itself is going to be one day. That's right. On the Saturday, 4th. That's right. Yeah. And it's going to be great. You know, we're going to be planning it all year. It's going to be really fun. And people have asked before, hey, should I fly in for this? Like when we did a little meetup. And I'm like, no, that, that's not the one to do that on. This one, if anybody's interested in traveling, we're going to have a little host committee that's going to help welcome you. There's going to be side events. And this would be the one to do. So, yay. I'm super excited about it. And it's going to be different than other conferences. Anyway, we'll say more about that as it comes. But this is a save the date, May 3rd, 4th. Also, I want to mention, again, related to this idea of promoting security wherever you are, if you are in a community where you have access to enough of a community, whether it be a therapist community or what have you, you know, Ann and I are going to be doing some traveling. So if you could arrange a meetup with enough people, we might be able to swing by and do an event, you know, whether it be a talk or just a meet and greet or what have you. So think about that. And if you can get that going, we want to support you in doing that because that's going to build relationships in your community. And we would like to be a part of that. Yep. It's all about community building. That's what's really, really important. That's the goal is we want people out there meeting one another. So if we come in and we can help form a connection like we did in the meetups, that's what would be really, really invigorating and exciting for us. And again, it's connections around forming networks of people who want to do and talk and be pushing themselves. Exactly. And this is also especially true, like one of the dreams in my mind is part of these little networks can really be specifically the people that have been pushed out and marginalized. So whether they be BIPOC led, whether they be trans, queer, whether they be disability, it doesn't matter. It's like anybody that's been pushed out. Group of women who want to join and feel empowered. That's right. Can we say again for a minute how cool it is that we are still ranked in the top 10 Apple podcasts for social science as two women teaching? You know, you normally for science, you, you, you're listening most likely to a man, which is we love men. There's no problem with that. But that this is different. I love that about this. So women, for sure, uplifting women's voices. So I'm having to deal with my internal audience environment saying that we've said too many positive things about the podcast and I'm feeling, (laughs) I'm feeling my own level of discomfort, just acknowledging. Okay. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be like a secure voice to say, (laughs) here's the thing. Everything we're saying is accurate. It's actually all true as far as like 
some of the good things that we're saying is true, right? Like we are in the top 10 and we have to have those things and all the, but also even if we're coming across a little braggadocious, even if we are, people can hear that and like just know that we're excited and know that we're proud and know that we've worked really hard on this and that we're, we get our moment in the sun of saying there's really cool things happening here and we invite other people into it. And this isn't, we're not cult, we're not cultivating people to circle us. That is what I want to come back to as we end. This is not about we're asking people to get people together to circle us when we go to a city. It's we want people to get together who feel really motivated about the idea of connecting on these really important topics of getting through your own defenses and being able to connect in a very secure way across the aisles. And I would love to have meetups that have a division of people with different political connections and that we're going to get together and actually you're, you're, really, you're doing crazy talk right now. <laughs> That's my passion, right? Let's, let's have these really hard conversations with people that we might not otherwise and quit having it be an us and them. We wrote about like getting out of the us and them and getting into the us that all of us. And so well, again, okay, I'm going to yeah. say something positive about our us again, <laughs> which is that I think that we're pretty good at not doing like those clients over there those people who struggle over there, you know, we're the therapists and we know, and we're going to impart our wisdom. I think we're pretty good at not doing that divide that it's easy to fall into as an educator and as a therapist. I agree with you. I think I can be really good, but I think I can be a raw ass sometimes when I'm really activated politically or if I'm activated around a topic, like I can get the us and them like the best of you. If I'm not paying attention, like I think about myself around three or four years ago and how much I contributed to the problem with what I posted and how I posted it. And again, this isn't, I want it all to be ignoring the really, really, really important topics and say, oh no, let's just all get along. We are the same and we all agree. Like, hell no, I'm not ready to do that. But I have been extremely motivated to like connect on a less reactive, defensive way so that I can quit seeing the world so polarized and adding to it. Yeah, exactly. So you can be more effective right. in the change that you want to see happen, that we're going to be more effective from our secure place. And this is why I'm excited to form groups out there. If people have groups that are motivated by that and they want to have these deeper conversations about how to do that, that's what we'll travel for. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to spread. I just really kind of want to come back to that. It is not that we're wanting to, everybody to come see us. We're wanting everybody to have these conversations and we want to be the impetus for that. I, I noted. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, right. that's a good caveat. <laughs> it's an important one. It, it is, is a really important one. And obviously we're both totally on that mean. same page. All right. We're going to ask something of you. For those of you that have stuck with this or still listening, we would like you to give us a holiday gift. And that holiday gift is to go to your wherever you get your podcasts and just leave us a rating and review. It makes a huge difference. This is going to make Anne totally squirm, <laughs> but it actually really helps get the word out. And we just haven't been asking for them and they, we, they've just kind of fallen off. So it would be really cool and awesome and wonderful to leave us a rating and review and we will read every single one of them and it matters a lot. All right. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you around the bend. Uncensored is Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is edited by Jack Anderson. 